Hi there, my name is Mary Kilolea. Welcome to the To Be Boulder podcast, providing career insights for the next generation of women in business and tech. To Be Boulder was created out of my love for technology and marketing, my desire to bring together like-minded women, and my hope to be a great role model and source of inspiration for my two girls and other young women like you. Encouraging you guys to show up and to be bolder and to know that anything you guys dream of, it's totally possible. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is an incredibly intelligent and humble woman. Priyanka Takor is a technologist and serial entrepreneur in the semiconductor space. She is co-founder and chief architect at Tenefe. Prior to this, Priyanka was leading the architecture group defining internal SOC controller strategies at Micron Technologies. Her career covers silicon design to leading engineering and product teams in both mobile and enterprise segments. She was also a founding team member at Tidel Systems, which was acquired by Micron. A creator at heart, she gets most joy out of building things from scratch and seeing her work out in the real world. She loves spending time with her two girls and pushing them to debunk stereotypes. Priyanka, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for having me. I love the way you describe yourself as a creator at heart. Why did you choose technology as a career path and I guess the tool to create with? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I suppose uh, the language of transistors and flops and gates just spoke to me. You know, I could get really excited talking about, you know, how logic works and writing code. In fact, uh, you know, I'm no more like in, in coding role. But even today, if I pick up a new language and write that first Hello World program, it still <laughs> gives me such an exhilarating feeling. It still excites me. So, you know, it's like logic is so simple, right? You tell it to do something and it exactly does what it asks you to do. So, you know, where else can you find that? So I, I, I love it. <laughs> awesome. So, so tell us about your background. So uh, my educational background is in electrical engineering. And uh, I came from India to uh, do my master's uh, at University of Cincinnati in Ohio um, in electrical engineering. And after that, I uh, joined a storage startup, uh, which was Lincoln Media Devices. There I spent about you know, five to six years and I learned so much. It was such a steep learning curve for me, you know, being kind of right out of college to uh, working on so many, uh, so many different products. So, you know, during that time, uh, I was involved in taping out like four products and, you know, went on to be tech lead. And then, you know, finally, when I left, I was like leading silicon uh, products there. So it, it was like an amazing, amazing and a very, very sharp learning curve for me. After that, I, I joined uh, the founding team at Tidal Systems. And during that time, I, you know, slowly transitioned into the silicon architect role. And I learned a lot about products, a lot about trade-offs. You know, when you are when you are executing, you know, leading silicon, you know, the the task is there. You just need to like march towards it. But when you are on the other side, kind of, you know, defining a product, defining the architecture, you don't have all the data and you just need to, <laughs> you know, sometimes just, just take a guess and, you know, make, make trade-offs along the way. So that was like a interesting transition for me. And, you know, we, uh, 
after it was two and a half years into Tidal Systems where we were acquired by Micron Technology. And at Micron, I continued you know, as a, as a Silicon Architect role. Um, Micron for me was such a different, but a great experience. You know, it taught me so much about communication, people, networking. I really didn't have exposure to all those things before, before I went there. So, so, so that, that was a great, a great experience. And then, you know, three and a half years ago, I uh, co-founded uh, Tenefe, uh, and we are uh, in SSD storage uh, business. At Tenefe, I am the chief architect, so I lead the product and silicon architecture and uh, do IP development. My team does IP development. So, so that has been my, my career journey, journey so far. Well, what lessons can you share about being a design engineer? Silicon design is, uh, I would say, a very intense, mm-hmm. a very rewarding role. The reason it's rewarding, at least for me, is because you can touch and feel your product after the silicon tapes out. You can actually hold it in your hand, you know, see it working in the lab. So that's great. The reason it's intense, because there is very, very tiny room for error. You know, unlike a software product where you can fix the bug and recompile, here recompiling actually means uh, retaping out or respin, which these days takes like millions of dollars. So... And silicon, because it runs, you know, like millions of operations in one second, if there's any flaw or any weakness in the design, it will show up. So, so I think it's, it's intense in that sense, but really, if you have an analytical mind, you can kind of, you know, think through the process and, you know, put, put your design in, uh, do, the, do the right uh, validation around it then I think you would you can be a really good fit for, for silicon design. It is, it is very rewarding to, you know, create, create uh, uh, ASIC chips for sure. So you talk about having an analytical mind. What other um, qualities uh, would you say? Because, you know, like you mentioned, it's an intense environment and you have to be really focused. I think analytical would really mean kind of taking the problem, you know, thinking through the simplest solution and then kind of going through and retracing your steps for corner cases. So, so it's definitely a skill that can be learned, but mm-hmm. you, 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 you shouldn't um, skip the process, you know, mm-hmm. skip the steps. I think, yeah, so just, just kind of keeping it calm and, you know, going through the flow is, is, is good enough to, yeah, for you to be good at it. And then you, you learn, right? Like you, you have one bug and you fix an ECO and it takes a very long time and you learn that, okay, I'm not making that mistake again. So, (laughs) so yeah. What was the pivotal moment where you took the leap that you could become a co-founder and start your own company? That had to have been scary. (laughs) Actually, when you say it that way, it does sound very intimidating. (laughs) But, but to be honest with you, there was not really one moment, you know, it, it took a lot of micro steps, you know, to, to get there. Um, if I look back, really, the, the real, my real leap of faith happened when I decided to join the founding team at Tidal Systems. You know, while I worked at a startup before that, you know, that was the first time I was really venturing into a high risk unknown. You know, the founding team really didn't have a uh, an actual experience running a company. We had experience running a product, but it's completely different, right? Uh, you know, we didn't have like an exit plan. We had no customer lined up. So, so it was it was really the faith 
that we had, right? Just the faith in ourselves, faith in the fact that we can make real good products, but that's it. And to top it off, when I really uh, left my job and, you know, joined, I was six months pregnant with my first kid. So, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, looking back, I, I don't know how I made that decision, but I'm, I'm glad I made it. So I, I distinctly remember, though, that I went in a in a, with a very clear thought process, you know, people, we, we keep talking that, Hey, you know, we are in a rat race. We keep doing the same thing. You know, it's, it's the same situation, but if you step back and think about it, you know, if you don't do something different, you're not going to get a different result. Right. So, so that was really the driving force behind kind of making that jump. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was more, you know, you go ahead with the worst in mind that, okay, you know, maybe we'll have to, close shop in two years, but be, be optimistic in kind of the value you add to the team and the trust the team as well. So I, I think that's that's what enabled me to really take that leap of faith uh, when I did. I love that. So many good nuggets in there. <laughs> um, you know, and that makes me think back to when you, you know, left college and started with a startup. I mean, because you had, I'm sure, other options where you could have gone more the conservative route with, you know, the big company. Right. What drew you to a startup versus that back then? You know, honestly, I didn't really think a whole lot, except that, you know, the the startup that I had the offer was in California where I wanted to come. Uh, but other than that, I wasn't, I guess maybe I wasn't afraid of joining mm-hmm. a startup. You know, it's like, I, you know, if you think about it, right, I packed up my bags in India and came halfway across the world, (laughs) you know, after that, nothing feels scary. (laughs) I love your perspective. That is, that is fabulous. I I would say there are like two kinds of risk people feel, right? One is the financial aspect and other is kind of the fitting in aspect. Mm. Um, I would say like, if there is an opportunity, you feel interested, but you know, something is holding you back. Uh, the first step you can take is really think of the worst case. You know, if if you feel that the worst case is something that you and your family can accommodate, then give yourself a timeline that, okay, I'm going to try this for like two years. And if it doesn't work out, okay, you know, believe in yourself that you can step out and get another job and just take that first step, right? You go talk to people, you go interview, and you will feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, with every step you take forward. And if you go through the process and you feel, no, it's not for me, or, you know, this is not the right time for me and my family, then that's okay. You know, you can always come back to it later, but, but definitely explore, definitely explore. If there's something not, you know, um, uh, bugging you in mm-hmm. your, in your mind, then yeah, just take that first step and explore. That's great. Um, So as fast as technology is changing, uh, how much is learning on the job a part of what you do every day? Yeah, that's the reality, right? Fundamentals that I learned in college definitely helps. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, what you need to do in the job is really not what they teach you in school. So yeah, so definitely learning on the job is yeah, there's no other way. Yeah. You, well, that's, that's where you need to be. Well, which is so great because I think sometimes women, um, when we look at roles, we may not think we're completely qualified. So we talk ourselves out of going for those roles, but you know, I think it's having the aptitude, having the fundamentals 
and then being in those roles and ready to adapt and learn. Exactly. Yeah, completely agree with you. Just be ready to roll up your sleeves, burn the midnight oil and, you know, that's what it takes. <laughs> um, how have you advocated for yourself over the years in your various roles? When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Okay, if I'm completely honest with you, I haven't done a really good job of advocating for myself. Uh, I suppose, like many other women, I tend to believe that if we do our work really well, we will be rewarded without asking, like someone will take care of us, right? Um, However, I don't think the world works that way. (laughs) So the times that I I did feel myself feeling stagnated, I have found the, I debated about it a lot, but eventually I I have gone up to like my leaders and shared shared what I was feeling. Uh, Truth be told, it takes me a long time to kind of get to that point, you know, from the time I feel that, okay, you know, this is not working out for me to the time I really go to someone and talk about it. It takes some time. Uh, But definitely without having that conversation, nothing has changed for me. So, so for sure, bringing it up, yeah, is, is the way to, (laughs) way to go about it. So what would you say is like one of the most frequent questions you get asked from younger women in tech? You know, I would be really happy to share like any insights that I have that can be helpful. So, you know, you know, go to my LinkedIn profile, send me a comment or a message, or I even have an email, you know, I, I'll share with you at the end of the program, uh, send me an email and I'll be happy to connect. So I would, I would definitely, I feel at this point, I would love to give back, right? Uh, some wisdom that no one told me, but I think it's like so obvious you should just share, <laughs> write it out and share. So what core skill sets are relevant across roles that you look for from potential employees? I Yeah, I think at this point in time, I believe the ability to grasp the problem statement is a big one for me. Mm. Like if you can get to a crux of a problem and lay out a very complex uh, statement or a problem in a very simple terms, you're able to break that down, then then you're on the right track to find the solution, right? Like the first big step is really understanding it and breaking it down into something simple. So I think that ability is something that I look for uh, look for in, in potential employees. If you were starting out in tech today, is there anything that you would do differently? Mm, I think I would definitely not trade off working for a startup. Uh-huh. I think I've learned so much that I don't believe I can learn in like a big company environment. But at the same time, I think I'll probably do a mix of like big company and small company, because again, the exposure that that a big corporation gives you, the tools and, you know, uh, I, I hear a lot of, you know, women in your podcast and I realize that, oh, there's so much, there's so much out there, right, that you can 
uh, take use of or make use of. So, yes, I think that's one thing that I would do a little different is, yeah, is mix it up. (laughs) Uh, When you reflect back on your career, what are you most proud of? I think I, you know, talking to you, I realized that I think I'm really proud of the risks that I've taken, Uh you know, looking around and looking back, I realized that's not a very common thing to do. (laughs) And uh, I believe it did get me where I am today. And it's given me so much new perspective. I feel like I learned something new, if not every day, every week, really, I think, uh, I'm a changed person, you know, because of that journey. And I am excited for I believe there's a long journey ahead and yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it. That's fabulous. Um, so you're raising two girls to be confident and self-assured um, and for them to debunk stereotypes. What stereotypes have you run into over the years and what hmm. type of advice do you, are you giving your girls? Okay. So I love my little girls. I have hmm. two and their curiosity is so infectious. I, I just, I just have so much fun answering their questions and kind of finding the answers together. Honestly, I don't know half of the questions they ask. <laughs> but, um, you know, some of the stereotypes I do see is uh, things are things like, you know, like girls are not great at math. And I see, I don't know how they pick it up, but I see them, you know, sharing that to me at a very early age. Um, the other stereotype I, I see is like women are responsible to take care of the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's people don't say it so explicitly, but it's it's like out there. It's it's very. And then you know, women are not good leaders. And then like the my favorite one, like girls like pink, like pink is girls' color. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I I I I believe the best way for me to. Um, have them see something different is really to model the behavior, right? Mm -hmm. I want them to believe in. So for example, the more my girls see their dad, you know, do stuff at home, do home chores, take care of them, you know, it will become a norm for them. Like when, when I joined title system, you know, uh, after I had my first baby, uh, we used to work every Saturday and my husband took care of my first bond, like six months. And, you know, almost till she was a year, every Saturday, all by himself. Right. And she was much more during those years, she was much more closer to my husband than than me. And that was OK. You know, that was it's, it's great. She got to bond, bond with him for the other things like math. You know, I keep reinforcing to her that, you know, math is fun. Uh, math is all around us. It's, it's not just the problems you, you have in the book. And I get really try to get really excited doing projects with them, you know, math, science, whatever school project. I, I really have fun uh, doing it with them. And, you know, for the last one, Girls Like Pink, for the first few years, I tried really hard to tell them, hey, there are great colors out there, like green and yellow. (laughs) My older one got on board, but I think my younger one really was like pink. So (laughs) I'm going to let that one slide. She can can have that one. (laughs) Uh, Those are awesome. I I love it. And your girls are are having a great role model in you. Um, Thank you. What advice do you have on negotiating? You know, just go for it. Like you deserve it. (laughs) Like, you know, women tend to undersell themselves, right? Like, honestly, if, if you feel that you deserve X in reality, you probably deserve more than X, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so don't be afraid to ask, like, there's nothing wrong in asking. Right. And what's the worst that can happen? Like they can say no. 
and give you a reason on why, which is great, right? You get a you get a path of you know how to get where you where you need to be. So so don't be afraid. And if you need someone, if you are not feeling not very comfortable, go practice it with someone like a friend or you know get get some reference. You know, go for it. You know, we women don't talk about salaries with each right. other. We don't talk about that. And I don't know why, you know, I don't have an answer for why, but we don't. So, you know, we need to take that extra effort to to go ahead and go ahead and do that. I totally agree. So what about networking? I know you said that uh, it wasn't one of your strongest suits, um, especially when you were working at the startup. Uh, What advice do you have for women? Because it's so important for us to network. I mean, in the company that we're in and externally, um, and, and I think sometimes people only focus on one or the other. What, what advice do you have on networking? So I think this is, I'll probably turn the question to you. Like for me, I find it easy to connect with people who either have the same background as me, you know, other women and people I've worked with. But outside of that, I feel very uncomfortable, you know, reaching out. And so, so you, you know, I would love for you to share with me what has worked for you and all the other guests, right? You have like this boatload of information. So yeah, please share. <laughs> um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm just a, I thrive on learning. And so if someone is doing something that either I know or don't know, and like, you know, in an area, like if it was outside of marketing and I wanted to learn about it and it was something that I found really interesting. I would find a way to figure out how to start a conversation, maybe do some research on that person, you know, break the ice, send a compliment or, or just, you know, I I think people are so open to sharing, but so many of us think that we're being um, intrusive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But once you do reach out, and that's what I'm so shocked and amazed and and happy that all the women that I reach out to to come onto this show are willing. And and I rarely ever get you know, no, I can't do it. They're like, oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, I'd love to. You know what I mean? So it, I think we got to knock down the nose in our own head and just think that they're probably just as happy to get to know us. And the fact is we do have something. So know that you're bringing something to the table too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I guess I don't look at it as networking as much as I look at it from a learning perspective, just broadening my aperture on different people, different roles. Um, And so, yeah, I guess, I guess I take the, the networking word out of it. And I just think about it as kind of just growing my sphere of people that I know. And it, it seems, sense. yeah, it seems less intimidating. It just I seems, agree. Yeah. Less pressure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But thank you for asking me. <laughs> um, what does to be bolder mean to you? For me, um, to be bolder means taking implicit or explicit feedback and not hearing it as a personal failure, but as a tool to be better and to be more impactful. I think that is a challenge that I'm at a point where I can take and I really see the advantage like very clearly now, but, but that is something that takes courage. Yeah. That's amazing. So um, we've reached the end of our conversation, but I want to know, um, you know, 
being a woman in tech, is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience that we didn't talk about today? I think to me, over the years, I've realized it's the it's the mindset shift or a mindset that that women may need to focus on uh, really to to try something new or to try something different because we at least I can speak for me not not for all women in general but I I don't like to be wrong like when I make a decision it I want it to be right and it, it takes a lot of mental bandwidth because you don't always have all the data to make the right call right sometimes you just have to make it come back to it and then fix it right uh but but I think women tend to not want to they take it as a personal failure, so they want it to be perfect. And I think those kind of aspects hold them back to some degree, right? So, so I think that kind of a mindset mindset shift, and I, I really believe like conversations around that uh, would be something that women should pick up more and talk more about. Uh, you know, like technical side, you know, things keep changing, and you can always pick it up. I don't, I don't see that as a bigger mindset change, you know, but. But this thought process and kind of things that are very implicit in the workplace, not explicitly called out, but they're very important for you to progress is something I feel is missing. And, you know, yeah, we need to talk more explicitly about about those uh, traits. Okay, so it has been great talking with you today. Thank you so much for being here. How can someone get in touch with you? So I have my LinkedIn profile I'll give to you. People can leave comments or send me a message. And I also have an email if, you know, other women want to reach out to me. It's connectwithpriyankatakor at gmail.com. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mary. This was a pleasure. It was, it was a very, very fun conversation. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the episode today. It was really fun chatting with my guest. If you liked our show, please like it and share it with your friends. If you want to learn what we're up to, please go check out our website at 2bbolder.com. That's the number two, little b, boulder.com.